if you struggle, like figuring out how to relate stories to what you're talking about in, in your podcast or in your emails, you're not alone. Holy moly. I don't know about you, but I definitely, definitely needed to hear those words because I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle. Sometimes I really struggle with how exactly I'm going to bring a particular topic to life for you. And I know, I know that the only way I can do that is through telling stories because stories are the glue that makes content stick. But come on now, isn't that easier said than done? Sometimes it's hard coming up with a new story, especially if I'm just not feeling it. If I'm just not feeling particularly creative, especially in my emails. Luckily, we have Brittany Gardner, host of the No Like and Trust show with us on today's episode, and she's going to talk us through how we can use our emails to promote our podcast, especially when we don't know what to write about. My name is Deidre Shen, CEO and co-founder of Capshow, the world's first AI-powered podcast copywriter, and this is the Grow My Podcast show. Yeah, yeah. Hey, welcome, welcome to the Grow My Podcast show. I am Deidre Shen and I am joined by Brittany Gardner, who is going to talk us through how exactly we can use emails to promote our podcast and grow our audience. Brittany actually started her career as a wedding photographer, which seems like a far cry from podcasting and content creation. But there's a link. There's a link, I promise. So, so she was a photographer who did weddings and portraits for families. And then the best thing happened she had her big aha moment. I was traveling every weekend for work because most of my weddings were out of state. Some of them were out of the country. And that was just not really conducive to the lifestyle I wanted to lead. You know, your business shouldn't run your life. Your, your, your business should augment your life, right? So I backtracked heavily, went to branding photography. And then from there, my clients, I love them so much. And they were so abundantly honest with me and it was like this light bulb kind of clicked they would get the photos back and say you know i i really like this i look beautiful but like you know what do i do with them and it was like all of my graphic experience all my photography experience all my branding experience gelled in that moment i i realized you know photos were one tiny piece of a content strategy and and what they really needed help with was the strategy and how to implement a good content plan. And and yes, podcasts are in my my world a big part of that, but but really they just needed to know how do they take their ideas and put them into content that will actually bring leads into their business. And that's kind of how I got to where I am today. I've been doing content strategy and content planning for more than five years and, and it's been really fun taking all these different kinds of content, all these different kinds of people and their services that they provide and, and putting it into one, one fell swoop. So going through this completely changed the trajectory of her business and her career from wedding photographer to content strategist and planner. But what exactly does content strategy and content planning look like for Brittany? So content strategy is the overarching idea. What are we trying to do here and how are we going to do it? And then content planning is actually the implementation of it. 
that's going to be, okay, what are we posting on this week? What are we planning for next month or next quarter? And that would just be the implementation of the strategy that you've outlaid. And both of those require, of course, uh, having a good idea of who your best client is. You know, other people will call this the ideal customer avatar, things like that. And I just like to call it your best client. Who is the person that you are really good at helping with a very specific problem? And with that information, we can craft an entire strategy that speaks to them, walks them along a journey, shows them that you are uniquely qualified to help them with whatever problem that you're currently facing and kind of connects the dotted lines, right? So when we are online or, you know, doing the doom scroll on TikTok or, you know, what, whatever it happens to be, right? What is going to capture their attention and say, oh, well, this is interesting. Oh, I see how they made that, that work oh, they can help me win. And when we've done that with our content, we have kicked our content strategies butt and like just made it our own. Okay, so I know the question you might have on your mind. How does a content planner plan through her own podcast content? And is there a difference between how she thinks about her podcast content to even her business content? Yeah, there actually is a difference for me at least. How I plan content for my my podcast is a lot more thought out, I should say. Uh, it's a lot more play on than how I do content for, for the rest of my business or, or how I actually even choose business projects, right? So I'm looking at my podcast as my evergreen content strategy. There are episodes, I just, I just published episode 201 or 202 this week. And so I've, I've been doing it for a while, right? But there are episodes back like episode 131, I can't tell you how often I link to it. I'll be in a Facebook group and someone asks a question. I'll be like, yeah, here's the Cliff Notes version of the answer for more, go here. And, and that's not me like trying to pick them up as a client. It's just generally like, I can't take the time to type 15 minutes of answers when I've already covered this extensively on my podcast. So when I'm planning content for my podcast, I am always keeping that in mind. Is this information I would be proud to be sharing, you know, six months from now, a year and a half from now? And I'm not the kind of podcast that's covering, you know, weekly content. One of my favorite podcasts is This Old Marketing, Robert Rose and Joe Blitzi, and they, they cover this week's marketing news. By nature, their podcast has to be <laughs> in the moment, you know, newsworthy and relevant. And that is not how I run my podcast. All of my episodes are recorded, planned and, and edited, you know, usually four weeks out. So I can't be like that. So I want to make sure my podcast content is, is relevant. I also use my podcast as a way to prime people for future offers. So if I know that I'm gonna be making an offer and they need to know X, Y, and Z before they're a good fit for that offer, I'm probably gonna cover that content on my podcast. Now, I'm not gonna be so methodical that someone can be like, oh, bump, 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 she's gearing up for this. But from a quarterly point of view, if you look back, you can usually see what I'm leaning towards in, in the next little while. Now, from a business planning perspective, I would argue it'd be good to do that, but for my day-to-day -day content planning, like not my podcast necessarily, I'm not nearly so thought out. I am about to release a a quick like, hey, what can we learn about the whole, you know, TikTok versus Reels and meta debacle about them walking back their algorithm changes. Like I'm, I'm about to publish that after we get off this podcast. And that is definitely more in the moment. I'm tying less and my clients can learn from it, but it's not something I would cover in my pet podcast because by the time it publishes, honestly, there's probably going to be 16 more changes and it won't be relevant anymore. 
It's always so fascinating to learn how other people plan their podcast content, especially when we're learning from a content strategist and planner. But as we know, creating podcast content is just one actually small part of it. The other almost more important part is the actual promotional content. So how does a content strategist plan her podcast promotional content? So for my own business's strategy in terms of communicating with clients, building that relationship, continuing on the no like and trust factor journey, I email once a week. I email the day that my podcast releases and I start my email off with a relevant lifestyle story. I'm a mother of two kids. I have a husband. We bought a house. We're doing a lot of house projects right now. All of those stories tend to weave themselves in my in my email. And then I tie at the very end of the email a like nice little lesson. And if you want to hear more about this, that's what we're covering on this week's podcast. So I can tell you right now, the podcast episode that I published this week is actually entitled The One Where I Fired My Husband. So you know, it's it's a bit of a friend's, you know, like episode title, a grab, which is kind of fun for open rates with emails. It, it did do well. I could tell you that after yesterday. And I tell a quick story about how, you know, when we start business, we often start scrappy and that's okay. We should. We shouldn't be outlaying a ton of expenses without a promised, you know, return, especially when we're kind of testing ideas. But there comes a point where being scrappy actually, actually hinders your business. And I use the story of me firing my husband as my podcast audio editor as a way to tell that business lesson. I give other examples, of course, but it's it, by and large how long I clung to that because he was quote unquote free. And also to be fair, I mean, he's a trained audio engineer. He worked in broadcast television for well over a decade. Like, it's not like I was that scrappy here. He does a better job than most do, but it was hindering my business. So I tell the story, I give the lesson and my email briefly covered this. So like this week's email was actually much shorter than my my emails because I didn't want to tease too much of the story. Um, but you know, like I, I like I like leaning into story and typically I'll put that that same email content, maybe not word for word, as a social media post. My my two primary places are LinkedIn and Instagram. And I will also generally schedule a live each week doing kind of another story-based lesson. Sometimes it's the same story as my email, sometimes it's not. It might be a completely different hook or analogy. And I will talk about one or two of the, the lessons I talk about in the podcast episode, and then just say, hey, for more, here's the link for the podcast episode. So those are my main promotion sources and, and methods for the podcast itself. I have personally always found emailing my list the best way to grow my podcast listenership. In fact, if you listen to my previous podcast episode on this very topic, I believe it was only three episodes ago, you would know that we had a technical glitch with our emailing software, which meant that for a period of time, our list wasn't actually even getting our emails. And then when we finally fixed it, it resulted in a massive bump in listeners for that podcast episode I had just dropped. That's why we were so intentional about building a promotional email as one of the assets that you actually get inside of Capshow. But am I alone in thinking that email is one of the best ways to promote a podcast? Email is incredibly important, not only from the personal point of view, right? Your email inbox is something that only you get to see. Whereas, you know, your Instagram feed, 
you know, depending on how many followers the person has, you know, a whole bunch of people could be seeing it. So there's there's already more of an intimate relationship with email. And I think from a relationship building point of view, that is important. And also, you know, there's actual statistics on, you know, email ROI being still 40 times anything, anything else in like the social media world. I, I will heavily lean on that statistic. I've felt that in my own business. I know there's as well. But most importantly, from a measurement point of view, if you have 2000 Instagram followers at this point today, like right now, you're probably only going to hit like 0.5% of those people with the content you're putting on Instagram. At least it has a higher, higher number, although they're still, you know, heavily algorithm based. And as I said earlier, you know, all of these social platforms can change the rules on you at, at any time. They can not only change what qualifies your content as being show worthy, like, you know, feed worthy, they can also just shut down your account. I know plenty of people, close personal friends, mind you, who've lost their Instagram account or who've had their Facebook pages just shut down. And it isn't because they accidentally made a mistake. It isn't because they did something wrong. It's just a fluke. And, you know, good luck getting in touch with an actual person trying to get that back, right? So there's a difference between owned content and borrowed platform content. And, you know, my Instagram account was free, but if it's free, then I am the product, not the service, right? So um, I don't own my Instagram account. I'm, I'm on rented land, whereas I do own my email list. Now, my email service provider could shut me down. I back my email list up once a month, it's done via a, a zap, you know what I mean? Like it's automatic, it's out of out of sight. So it just happens in the background. So should, you know, Active Campaign or ConvertKit shut you down, you still have a copy of all those people who opted in. They made a physical choice to be on your email list. So I think email is really important for that. It's important for the, the ROI that it offers. It's important because it's an owned platform and it's important for the relationship that you build with your audience through the act of writing them on a regular basis. Okay, you're all convinced now, right? You're convinced that you have to be promoting your podcast through emails, correct? Okay, good. So now that we have you join us on the dark side, it's really actually the light side. We're going to get into the how. We're going to take a quick ad break. And when we're back, Brittany is going to walk us step-by-step step through how we create the most compelling emails for our list that will have them clamoring to hit that listen button. Are you ready to reach more people on more platforms in a lot less time with your podcast? Well, it's time to meet every podcaster's new best friend, Capture. Capture is the world's first AI-powered podcast copywriter and the fastest way to market and grow your podcast. In just 10 minutes or less, Capture will turn your episode audio file into an episode title, description, show notes, social media captions for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and TikTok, a promotional email, blog post, LinkedIn article, YouTube description, and full transcript. All of the drafts it creates for you are fully editable and downloadable. All you have to do is just upload your episode audio, wait for it to generate the drafts for you, and view and edit these drafts and download them to use in all of your marketing content. 
But before you think that Capture was just another robot that just writes words for you, I have to tell you about what makes Capture different. You see, Capture's AI has a very robust mix of human intelligence mixed into it. Capture was created by marketers so that every piece of copy it writes for you is infused with content honey traps so that your podcast episode stops the scroll and hooks your audience in to listen. But don't just take my word for it. Capture is offering you a free trial so you can see the magic for yourself for your podcast. Sign up takes less than 30 seconds and nope, there is no credit card required. Just head on over to www.capture.com and sign up for a free trial. That's www.capsho.com and sign up for a free trial today. When I started my first ever business nine years ago, my mentor at the time told me I had to build a list. And without knowing too much about why, I did. I built a list, which was great, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so you may be in the same boat too. You may have been told to build a list, grow your email audience, and so you did. But now what? Well, Brittany Gardner, the host of the Know, Like and Trust show, is here to talk through her simple three-step formula on exactly how to promote your podcast to your email list so that you grow your podcast show. So what is this three-step formula? I just call it the hook, line, and sinker. You know what I mean? It's really easy to remember. So your hook is your subject line. Your subject line for email is incredibly important. I will say I learned a lot of my subject line prowess, if we want to call it that, from a few people from Ben Settle was a big one. He has a fantastic little book guiding people on, I think think he's got like 10 or 11 different subject line formats. I use a few of them most often. Yeah, and you can actually get a really good good example from that email or actually from the podcast title I wrote this week, which is the one where I fired my husband. That is a curiosity generating, you know, subject line, right? Uh, Something like that gets people to open. It gets their attention back to what I was saying earlier, you know, intention, interest, and then trust. So that that hook is, is what you need to kind of pull people in. And in so social media posting world, the hook is your first line of the post. So, you know, whatever whatever format you're looking at on a sales page, it's your headline, right? You, you need to have a good hook. So what exactly does that good hook look like? My favorite is the curiosity-driven subject line. It's the one I feel like I'm the best at. I also like puns. I'll use like a song lyric, but change one word and, you know, make it cutesy. Celebrity names. You know, it feels gimmicky, but if you can tie something into a celebrity name with a subject line, you will get more clicks. Now, I will caution you, you can't just put a celebrity name in there. You can't just do that and then, you know, have like everything work out all fine and dandy. You need to make sure that it actually ties into whatever story that you're going to put in the email. But as a result, you can, you know, at least get that attention kind of piece out of the way. Sometimes the listicle style things, you know, the three things you need to know about X and just making it very direct works. Um, honestly, a mix of all of these is really where you're going to get the best the best things. And, and I highly recommend testing these out. I, I like telling my clients all marketing is a test. So test often and test well and then measure it. So I had heard 
from Brittany Long, for example, that putting an emoji in a subject line increases open rates. But you know what? It doesn't do that for my audience. So that was one thing I tested out that after a few tries, I was like, this doesn't really seem to hit. Maybe I'm not doing it right. I don't know. Or maybe my audience just isn't into emojis. Either way, it's a good thing for me to know as, as a business owner and a podcast creator. But all of these things in a mix really help open rates and kind of nailing that hook. Open rates are a little tricky right now. You know, Apple changed things up. The Androids had already been really tricky on measuring open rates. So the old standard of 20% is still kind of today the new standard. This though is gonna be so very platform dependent. When I was on active campaign, my average open rate seemed to be right in that like 18 to 20% mode. And I always felt like I was less than because, you know, if 20% is average, I should be doing better than average. And having, you know, 19% on this one made me feel like crap, honestly. I switched to a mail gun for a little more than a year and my open rates skyrocketed. It's all on how they measure open rates. So I had an average well in the mid thirties when I was on Melgun. Now that said, my click rate was the same between active gain after ugh, my click rate was the same between active campaign and Melgun. So who's to say whether my open rate actually changed, right? Uh, these days I'm a mailer light. My average seems to be in the high twenties. Uh, my weekly emails is typically just a little bit lower than that, more in the low twenties. And then my, my automated, like I also have a, a nurture campaign that runs for several months, those tend to be in the higher 20s. So you need to know your business and you need to know your platform. So if you're getting advice from someone that says you should be hitting 25% no matter what, I would caution listening that too hard and definitely don't internalize it as a, as a failure on your part. Your platform might be different than theirs. That makes sense. The first step is to ensure that you have stopped that scroll in your audience's inbox. So create that compelling hook or subject line. And the great thing is that you can track how effective your hooks are by tracking your open rates. Step two is then that line. We're, we're drawing them in. Hey, we got our attention, now how are we gonna keep it? And that's, that's that first bit of the email. And this is actually going to be the bulk of any email you write to, to promote your podcast. It's going to be the story, the metaphor, the analogy, the interest level that keeps them in. So if there are people who have been following you for a while, which if they're on your email list, the odds are they've been there for you know a hot minute, right? They're okay having glimpses into your life and not only are they okay with it, it actually keeps them interested. It's like when you, I'm not a big video game player, but I know that like hidden Easter eggs in video games is a big deal. Or I, this is probably years ago that they started doing this. But remember when Google was just it just said Google on the front page. And then they started adding those cute little drawings for like certain days. And you're like, ooh, why, why is this? Oh, it's Ruth Bader Ginsburg Day. Look, there's a little collar on the O. That's so cute, right? Those little Easter eggs are a great way to keep people interested and, and keep them on your list until they're ready to buy or until they're ready to refer you, right? And those little Easter eggs come from your life. They come from the stories that you have on a regular everyday basis. You know, I went... Uh, on a date night with my husband last night, we went to a Mexican restaurant and he ordered, gosh, a Michelada, I think. It's like a tomato juice, like Bloody Mary style drink with a beer turned upside down on it. And I took a sip and it was disgusting. I don't know why I keep forgetting that I don't like tomato juice. Like I don't like Bloody Mary. So why did I even take a, a sip of the drink? I don't know. 
Does that have anything to do with business? It doesn't, but I guarantee you that story is going to end up somewhere in my promotion world in the next couple of weeks. And it's just because it's so relatable, right? You take a sip of a, of a friend's cocktail, pre-COVID, of course, and you're like, wow, that's not to my taste at all. You know what else isn't to my taste? When people do this weird thing online. Here's how we can avoid doing that weird thing online. And right there, we just walk them through the whole line, the story, the analogy. My big question, which I mentioned at the beginning of this episode is, what if we're not naturals at this? What if we're tapped out creatively or we don't know what to say? What if it's just a struggle? You know, maybe it's content planning when you're stressed out or, you know, not in the mood, not in the flow, right? I, I start thinking about other things that are not in the mode or not in the flow. And because I'm a mother of a toddler, you know, constipation comes up and I'm like, oh, no, I don't really want to talk about constipation in an email. So hard pass on that one. Okay, so what else is in the flow? Well, we are in the middle of, my kids are away for the week. They're down in California with my family and my husband and I are like enjoying, you know, alone time. But we're also like doing a lot of house projects and our, our 60s house has the dark wood moldings and it just makes the whole place look dank. So we're like, right now I'm podcasting here and I have, do not have a door on my office. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I made my husband go work on the patio for this hour because I was like, oh crap, that was really bad planning. So that was, you know, maybe not my best planning moment. I could totally tell a story about that. We're also using paint sprayers. We just spray painted the garage. We're also, you know, spray painting all of the the moldings. And you know what really messes up paint spraying? When you get a clog in the sprayer, that would be against the flow. So that's a story I could use. So, you know, poor planning in my business mixed with house projects or the paint sprayer itself acting up. Those would be good ways to to break into. So let's let's go with the paint sprayer. And I'm doing this on the fly, you guys. This is not planned at all. So, all right. So when I am in the flow, I can probably bang out like the content for three different podcasts, which is three solo episodes. I do every other week, like solo guest typically. It's not a hard, hard rule. So that would be like six weeks of, of podcast camp, you know, content. And I can plan that all out and probably even record one or two of them in a day. And that would be me in the flow. Me not in the flow is well, my voice kind of feels scratchy. I don't want to do this. Ooh, I could go for a glass of iced tea right now. And it's like the procrastinate flow, right? So how can I tie in a paint sprayer to procrastinate flow? Well, you know what takes a boatload of time? Prepping anything for spraying. We spent like three hours taping up everything around the garage door before we spent 15 minutes spraying it the other day. So that's probably the story I would use. I would talk about the horrible you know, prep work leading up to only 15 minutes of satisfaction, but oh my gosh, that feeling when you get it done, you guys, my garage door looks sexy right now and I am very happy about it. So that would probably be the story I would do. And then in the email, I would just talk about how, you know, we were, you know, melting in a hundred degree heat. No, no joke. Like the tape was not even sticking to like the patio over overhang and how we were sitting there and I was like with a putty knife chipping away at like the glass panes, trying to make it super clean so we could get the tape really good. And and uh, we looked at each other like two Trulies, a gallon of iced tea and several water bottles later, we finally got to spraying. But watching that black spray go up, man, that felt good. And we finished, our neighbors came out and they were like, that looks so amazing. You guys have been working hard all day. Why don't you come over for a barbecue? Like you need a break. And we just had such a nice night. And it was all because we spent three hours of prepping. And 
if you've done the hard work for your content planning ahead of time, if you've done that like quarterly planning, even monthly planning, it makes it a whole lot easier to build out three podcast episodes in a day. And then you are done for the next six weeks. Voila. And it feels so good when you've got it done. So that right there would be my email. I'd clean it up, but that's pretty much it. I briefly said, you know, no one wants to read about constipation in an email. I mean, maybe your audience does, but just because something happened to you does not make it email worthy. <laughs> that's it. If you, if you struggle, like figuring out how to relate stories to what you're talking about in, in your podcast or in your emails, you're not alone. I mean, this, this is something that does take time to build. It's, it's a muscle, you know, you have to work into it, but if you, if you're struggling, I highly recommend setting up a voice memo system. If you are down with like Zapier or Pabli or one of those things, set it up to be automatic where you can just do a, a voice memo on your phone real quick and it goes to like a Trello board or, you know, whatever it is that you're going to use. I know, I know that this has been helpful to me when I'm feeling a bit of that progressive flow, right? Like sometimes I just go and look at my ideas and I'm like, oh yeah, that thing happened a month ago. I totally forgot about that. And I can probably tie that in here. Having a story bank is, is something that when you're kind of starting this process will help you. And in addition to that, you're going to start seeing trends in your own stories, right? So like yesterday, you know, honestly, I spent a lot of the day painting and then we went out on date night. I had no work yesterday. I took the day off. And today, today I'm going to like bang through work. And I could make even that be its own story, right? You have to have seasons. You have to have, you know, breaks. You have to, like, there's so many ways you could tie that into something with a business lesson. So it doesn't have to be a hilarious story of, you know, sipping your husband's drink and realizing it's awful. It, it can be just a normal thing. And, and sometimes the story is going to be as simple as, hey, I'm a tea drinker and Starbucks gave me a coffee and that was disgusting. And I accidentally spat it all over their floor because I was so shocked. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge drawn out thing. Sometimes it's just that emotional tie-in that you want to kind of impart. I really enjoyed listening to Brittany's process because there's so much we can learn from a natural storyteller like her. Fundamentally, it is the, the little things that happen, the things you wouldn't even have given a second thought to that creates the most relatable and connection, I guess, with your audience. So have a think about even in the last day, what are some of these little inconsequential things that have happened to you or that you did that you could tie to a bigger message? File these away for your emails. And that brings us to the third part, which is the sinker, right? How are we going to close this email? How are we going to tie it up in a nice bow and say, here's where you can find out more without being as direct as that. And, you know, sometimes you can be direct and be like, hey, that's what I'm talking about in this week's podcast. Here's the link. Other times it's going to be a little bit more of a tease, right? Hey, I just gave you like two out of the big three things that you need to know on this subject. The third one's on the podcast. Here's the link. There are so many different ways you can do that, but the idea is giving them a reason to click on that. One, the click is a much better gauge of their interest level than open rates, which are kind of like in a weird engineering land right now. And you need to know which subjects are good for your user base. You need to know what they actually are interested in hearing about so you can craft your content even more, but like just fine tune it even better. And, and that's where you really gauge that interest is with that click. 
I just listened to your episode on how to close your podcast. And I think basically everything that episode would apply here. So if you want more than what I'm going to say here, probably you guys should listen to that one. And just so you know, that particular episode is titled The Three Steps to Ending Your Podcast Episode with Confidence. So definitely go check that particular episode out. Okay, so those are the three steps to Brittany's hook, line, and sinker formula to write a podcast promotional email with ease. Step one, hook. Okay, that's your email subject line. You've got to stop that inbox scroll and hook someone in with a curiosity-driven subject line. Step two is line. That's the story of your email. This is where you create that connection and relatability with your audience. And step three is sinker. This is the CTA, the call to action, getting someone to hit that listen now button from your email to your podcast so you can grow your podcast listenership. How cool was that? And if you want to learn more from Brittany, get in on her freebie so you can be part of her community. What's called the healthy and bond healthy and balanced content creation method. I'm renaming it. It's not going to be that by the time you see it. So that's a, that's a fun one, but you can get to it at brittanygardner.com forward slash balanced. And I actually walk you guys through a, a balanced sanity keeping way of, of planning your content. And this is a hundred percent applicable to planning your content, your podcast content, as well as other kinds. If you're like a video streamer or a blog writer, but the idea is, and I said this before, your business should not be running your life. Your business is there to support your life. And the last thing I want is for anyone to feel like content creation and content planning is a hamster wheel they can never ever get off of. There's a reason I like having podcast content feel evergreen for me so I can link back to it. There's no need for me to take 15 minutes to type something out that I've already covered in the past. But part of that is having a good way to like balance it in the first place. And it's just a five day, video course each day will email you a short, you know, five minute video that you can watch. Or if you're like a Netflix binger, you can actually just click the link and go to the next day right there because I aim to serve. But I want people to understand there, there is a really good way to manage your content planning so that some of these things just start coming naturally to you. We have left the links for those in the show notes. And you know what? If you just want someone to write your promotional email for you without the cost that comes with paying a copywriter, then come and try Capture for free. From just an upload of your audio file, Capture will create a promotional email and episode title, description, show notes, social media captions, blog post, and YouTube description. It is insane. So go so get in at Capture, C-A-P-S-H-O dot com and stay awesome.